On the radar screen of time, the lifespan of man would not record a blip on God's screen, which in reality is timeless, from everlasting to everlasting. Man's existence is compared to vanity, an empty zero. Psalms 144.4, man is like to vanity. His days are as a shadow that passeth away. James 4.14 compares man's life to a vapor. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. Psalms 90 verse 9 reads, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Once upon a time, there was you. In eternity, the word of God declares in Revelations 10.6 that time shall be no more. But during this very short span we call life, an opportunity is given every man to redeem the time, to literally buy it back from the zero of carnaldom and absolutely transform it by the power of faith in Christ Jesus into eternal, timeless joy. This opportunity begins at a place Jesus calls born again. Imagine this place called born again guarantees the promise in John eleven twenty five and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Will today be the day you begin a literal new and eternal life in Christ? Will today be the day all your sin and shame is erased, all of your bondages broken in a moment of time? Do it now and begin to redeem the time. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives, all of which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, but that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God said, Numbers 13.33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. God said, Genesis 7.1-4, through 4, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of, the all, of, the, of all the earth. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. Man said, How ridiculous these uneducated Bible thumpers are. 
They actually believe in Adam and his rib wife Eve, in giants, in Noah's Ark, in God, Jesus, and angels. When they attend church, they check their brain at the door. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 831 that will once again establish the full inerrancy of God's holy word. All of these marvelous features are archived here in text and streaming audio for the building up of the faith and as ammunition in the battle for the souls of the sons of Adam. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Be sure to take advantage of these powerful features. One, you have questions, God has answers. Whatever your question, type a keyword into the search bar top right and watch the screen populate with related information from Adam and Eve to quantum physics. Two, use the tell a friend feature above to send a message to someone you love. It's so quick and easy. Three, imagine you can download nearly 300 hours of God said, man said features to your electronic device. Listen to one every day. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you with light and truth. Prior to the popularization of evolution by Charles Darwin, the idea of a young earth, just shy of 6,000 years at that time, prevailed among the Christian ranks. As the spirit of unbelief harnessed by Darwin crept out of academia's closet, the Bible-believing Christians were forced in and deadbolts were thrown. But be advised, children of God, the Word of God stands supreme. When the theories of unbelief are removed, we have a 6,000-year-old earth, and God's fingerprints become obvious everywhere, and I mean everywhere. Archaeology says yes, geology, sociology, paleontology, biology, neuroscience, genetics, cosmology, history, and simple rational thought, etc., all say yes. Multiple features concerning the global flood, Noah's Ark, and the giants that lived during Noah's day and even after have been published on God Said, Man Said. And one of those features, evidence of a legendary flood keeps flooding in, you'll find the following. Headline, February 8, 2016, ancientpatriarchs.wordpress.com reads, Chinese mythology clarified by my old legend confirms Noah's flood history. Excerpts follow. In yet another version of the more than 500 global flood stories, the Chinese legend tells how the world was swept by a great flood and only Fusi and his sister Nawe survived. They then retired to Kunlun Mountain where they prayed for a sign from the Emperor of Heaven, God, or as he is called in Chinese, Shangdi. Like the Chinese, the Mayo are yet another ancient nation that remembers some of their earliest patriarchs. Not just that but they possess surprisingly accurate recollections of the creation, the flood, and even the Tower of Babel in its confusion of languages. Many of the finer details of their accounts coincide almost identically with the biblical record in the Moses book of Genesis. They were found in already, in already, to already possess this knowledge in the form of ancient couplets when they encountered Western missionaries for the first time. According to the Mayo, we all descended from the first man, whose Mayo name translated in English means dirt or earth, which is identical to the meaning of the name Adam, the first man in the Bible. One of Adam's sons is called Seth, while dirt's son was called Sete. The grand and great-grandchildren of Seth are called Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah in Genesis. In Mayo records, 
They are called Lusa, Hilo, Lema, and Nua, virtually identical names, and Nua was married to a lady called Gabolian. But that's not all. Noah, who survived the great worldwide flood, had three sons called Ham, Shem, and Japheth. In the mile record, Noah also had three sons called Lohan, Loshen, and Japheth. Again, virtually identical, with Lo meaning something like Lao in Chinese, meaning old or venerable one, like Lao Zi, for example, the famous father of Taoism. Even the children and grandchildren of Noah's three sons are amazingly similar. According to Genesis, Ham had Cush and Mizram, Shem had Elam and Asher, while Japheth had Gomer. According to Mile Record, Lohan had Cusha and Misa, Loshan had Elan and, and Nasher, whereas Japheth had Goman, from whom uh, this particular male tribe claims to have descended. Again, evidence has come to light that Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were real historical people who built a real historical boat and survived a real, genuine global flood, no matter what skeptic individuals are saying, against it in the name of science, falsely so-called, end of quote. When unbelief is cast off, God's fingerprints are found everywhere. Concerning giants, you'll find the following in the God said, man said feature, and there we saw giants, the sons of Anak. Yes, there were giants in those days, when discussing giants of old and people of enormous height, many people today lump these two together, referring to such terms as gigantism or acromegaly, a rare disorder of the pituitary gland which causes abnormal size. But the giants of the scriptures were not rare genetic flukes. There were entire populations of giants. The scriptures refer to giants nearly 200 times. If the word of God makes mention of giants so many times, then there should be empirical proof that they did once exist, and of course there is. In Deuteronomy 3, verse 13, Moses speaks concerning the dividing of part of conquered Canaan among the Israelites. It reads, And the rest of Gilead, and all Bashan, being the kingdom of Og, gave I unto the half-tribe of Manasseh, all the region of Argog, with all Bashan, which was called the land of the giants. It was the land of the giants. King Og was the leader of the giants. Deuteronomy 3.11 reads, For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Perhaps the first museum was in Rabbath of the children of Ammon, where Og's bed remained. If you use the 18-inch cubit, his bed would be 13 and a half feet long and 6 feet wide, or based on the 22-inch cubit, 16 and a half feet long and 7 feet 4 inches wide. Give him a foot for head and toe clearance, and you have a giant 12 and a half to 15 and a half feet tall. It is reported that German scholar Gustav Daumann discovered the bed of the giant king just where God said it sat. Og, the king of the giants, he ruled over 60 cities. God delivered the race of giants into the land of the seed of Jacob, Deuteronomy 3, 4, and 5. And we took all his cities at that time. There was not a city which we took not from them, threescore cities, all the region of Argob, the kingdom of Og in Bashan. All these cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars, besides unwalled towns a great many. Concerning these cities of giants, Deuteronomy 1, 28 reads, 
Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakims there. Cambridge Essays in 1858 published the following writings of Cyril Graham under the title, The Ancient Bashan and the Cities of Og. The following excerpts are from Mr. Graham. It was taken from the book Giants, written by Charles Deloche. When we find one after another, great stone cities, walled and unwalled with stone gates, and so crowded together that it becomes almost a matter of wonder how all the people could have lived in so small a place. When we see houses built of such huge and massive stones that no force which can be brought against them in that country would ever batter them down. When we find rooms in these houses so large and lofty that many of them would be considered fine rooms in a palace in Europe. And lastly, when we find some of these towns bearing names, which cities in that very country bore before Israelites came out of Egypt, I think we cannot help feeling the strongest conviction that we have before us the cities of Rephaim, of which we read in the book of Deuteronomy, end of quote. Rephaim, mentioned above, simply means giants. Flavius Josephus, one of the greatest historians of all time, writes the following in chapter 5 of the Antiquities of the Jews. For which reason they removed their camp to Hebron, and when they had taken it, they slew all the inhabitants. There were till then left the race of giants, who had bodies so large, and countenance so entirely different from other men, that they were surprising to the sight and terrible to the hearing. The bones of these men are still shown to this very day, unlike to any credible relations of other men. End of quote. Again, according to the research collected by Deloche, during his principate, Caesar Augustus, 27 B.C. to 14 A.D., assigned two giants who towered over 10 feet tall to lead the Roman armies into battle. On account of this remarkable height, writes Pliny, the bodies of the two giants were preserved in the tomb in Sallust Gardens. Their names were Pusio and Secundula, end of quote. Deloche reports that Peter Colosimo, in his 1968 book, Timeless Earth, states that an 11-foot-long skeleton was found near the eastern border of Pakistan. Finally, from Deloche, the following excerpts. In 1970, some huge, fossilized footprints that he found in Australia's outback so intrigued Dr. Rex Gilroy, director of the Mount York Natural History Museum at Mount Victoria, uh, NSW, that he began excavations in that area. Over the years, he gathered enough evidence to convince himself that a race of giants once dwelt there. Near Bathrust, Dr. Gilroy turned up some stone implements, hand axes, clubs, pounders, adders, knives, and other tools so huge that only giants with extra-large hands and strength could have made any beneficial use of them. He also uncovered some giant molars and other fossilized put footprints that measured, listen to this, up to 30 inches in length. The implications are he wrote in an article detailing his archaeological finds that men of 12 to 20 feet in height once roamed this continent, end of quotes. In the book On the Trail of the Nephilim, author L.A. Morzulli interviews archaeologist Dr. Aaron Judkins. Part of the Q&A follows. Question. Native Americans claim there was a race of giant people who were here before them. What are your thoughts in that regard? Answer. 
The North American Indians, especially the Chippewa, Sandusky, Tawa, Iroquois, Cherokee, Choctaw, and Hopi Indians, believed that there was a race of giant beings before them. My great-grandmother was full-blooded Choctaw Indian. The Choctaw's legend tell that after they crossed the Mississippi River, they encountered a powerful, white race of cannibal giants who came from the east and used mammoths as beasts of burden, but were in decline when the Choctaw came. Marzoli lists numerous newspaper reports concerning discovery of giants in the Western Hemisphere. A few of the many headlines and excerpts follow. Helena Independent, Wednesday, October 10, 1883, Helena, Montana. J.H. Hamley, a well-known and reliable citizen of Barnard, Missouri, writes to the Gazette the particulars of the discovery of a giant skeleton four miles southwest of that place. A farmer named John W. Hannon found the bones protruding from the bank of a ravine that had been cut by the action of the rains during the past years. Mr. Hannon worked several days in unearthing the skeleton, which proved to be that of a human being whose height was 12 feet. New York Tribune, February 3, 1909, skeleton 15 feet high, unearthed in Mexico. News was received here Monday from Mexico that at Iztapalapa, a town of 10 miles southeast of Mexico City, there had been discovered what was believed to be the skeleton of a prehistoric giant of extraordinary size. A person, while excavating for the foundation of a house on the estate of Augustin Juarez, found the skeleton of a human being that is estimated to have been about 15 feet high and who must have lived ages ago, judging by the ossified state of the bones. Scientific American, August 14, 1880. The Reverend Stephen Bowers notes in the Kansas City Review of Science the opening of an interesting mound in Brush Creek Township, Ohio. The mound was opened by the Historical Society of the township under the immediate supervision of Dr. J.F. Everhart of Zanesville. It measured 64 by 35 foot feet at the summit, gradually sloping in every direction and was 8 feet in, in height. There was found in it a sort of clay coffin, including the skeleton of a woman measuring eight feet in length. Within this coffin was found also the skeleton of a child about three and a half feet in length and an image that crumbled when exposed to the atmosphere. In another grave was found the skeleton of a man and woman, the former measuring nine feet and the latter eight feet in length. In a third grave occurred two other skeletons, male and female, measuring respectively nine feet, four inches and eight feet. Seven other skeletons were found in the mound, the smallest of which measured eight feet, while others reached the enormous length of ten feet. Anaconda Standard, April 29, 1890. The Pony Express says that one day last week, carpenters on the Isdell Irrigating Ditch unearthed a skeleton of mammoth proportions. By actual measurements, it was 13 feet and 2 inches in length. The circumference of the skull, when measured, was found to be 37 inches. The feet were 21 inches in length. This is the second discovery of this kind made near Pony during the past year. Ed Sparrow, while sinking a shaft on his mine near Richmond Flats last June, exhumed a skeleton of even larger proportions than the one in question. From the thigh down, it measured 5 feet and 3 inches and was 17 feet in height. It is supposed that these skeletons are descendants of the historical tribe of giants known as Polos, the curiosity is now on exhibition at Dr. Cooper's office. Hopkinsville, Kentuckian, April 23, 1897. 
The bones of a giant 10 feet in height were found near Lewisport. There were tribes of giants in the Bible, namely the descendants of Anak, the Anakims, a grouping of the Amorites, Emims, the Zamzumans, and of course the famed Goliath, slain by one smooth stone. The accuracy of the scriptures is continually challenged, but never bested, never. God's word is the place to build a life that will last forever, end of quotes. Many ancient societal records not only acknowledge the global flood, but declare the link between the flood and the giants who garnered the wrath of God. And the book Searching for Adam, edited by, uh, excuse me, edited by T. Mortensen, Ph.D., the following can be found. Ancient tales abound with legends of giants, and they are often connected in some way with the great flood. Unsurprisingly, the Bible also mentions the, these details. Genesis 6-4 states that Nephilim, giants, were on the earth in the days before the flood and also afterward. The text adds that the Nephilim were around whenever the sons of God sired children with the daughters of men. The famed Buffalo Bill Cody reported that while he visited the Pawnee of Nebraska, someone carried very large bones into the camp, and a surgeon pronounced that one of them was a human thigh bone. The Pawnee claimed that the bones belonged to a race of people who lived long ago who were three times the size of a man and endowed with great speed and strength. These giants, said the Indians, denied the existence of a great spirit. When they heard the thunder or saw the lightning, they laughed and declared that they were greater than either. This old displeased the great spirit that he caused a deluge. The water rose higher and higher till it drove these proud giants from the low grounds to the hills and thence to the mountains. At last, even the mountains were submerged and the mammoth men were drowned. The Montagnus of the Hudson Bay region of Canada also have a tale about giants in the flood. God was angry with the giants, so he commanded a man to build a very large canoe. Once the man finished his boat and boarded it, the waters rose on all sides until no land could be seen, and all the giants were drowned. The man became tired of seeing nothing but water, so he threw an otter overboard, and the animal dove to the bottom and brought up some dearth. The Incas of South America also spoke of giants prior to a great flood, and their religion, Veracoca, created the first race of humans. They were giants who lived in darkness for a period of time, but at some point they angered Veracoca. Angry and disappointed with his creatures, Veracoca destroyed the world with the flood and transformed the giants to rocks. End of quotes. Everywhere you look, you'll find the fingerprints of God. Again, from searching for Adam, consider this information concerning languages. One of the most unique testimonies pointing to the historicity of Genesis 1 through 11 and man's shared history prior to Babel is found in the earliest form of the Chinese language known as oracle bone writing. Like modern Chinese, the oracle bone writing was logographic, meaning that instead of an alphabet, it used symbols or radicals to represent words and syllables. These figures can be combined to convey a different or more developed idea. Researchers found that many of the radicals revealed that the earliest Chinese people clearly know of the events found in Genesis 1 through 11. Considering, uh, consider the following words and their component symbols. Garden. Garden is made up of the symbols for dust, breath, two persons, and enclosure. God said, man said, adds, man made from dust. God breathed up Adam's nostrils. Two people, Adam and Eve, enclosed in God's garden. 
The word flood is composed of the figures for eight, united, earth, and water. God said, man said, eight people in Noah's ark, all of life with breath in its nostrils were in the ark, the earth destroyed by water. The word tower. Tower composed of the radicals for mankind, one, mouth, or language, and clay. God said, man said, adds, mankind scattered at the Tower of Babel, one common language made brick out of clay. These are just a handful of the ancient symbols found among the oracle bone writings that show these people had a good understanding of the events described in Genesis 1 through 11. What else but shared history could account for the striking similarities between the biblical accounts in these chapters and the early Chinese people who developed these symbols? End of quote. God's fingerprints are clearly displayed in our everyday conversation. A few examples. Blessed comes from the Old English, which means covered in blood. This connotates the blood sacrifice in the Old Testament and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. The word holiday comes from the phrase holy day. The word atonement, it means at one mint. Universe, literally universe, it means one verse, one world, one story spoken into existence by God. The word goodbye is a compilation of God be with you. From the beginning to the end, from everlasting to everlasting, we see God, and everywhere you'll find his fingerprints. God said, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, and it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. God said, Numbers 13.33, And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which came of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. God said, Genesis 7, 1 and 4, 1 through 4, excuse me. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female. And of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. For yet seven days... And I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from the face of the earth. Man said, How ridiculous these uneducated Bible thumpers are. They actually believe in Adam and his ribwife Eve, in giants, in Noah's ark, in God, Jesus, and angels. When they attend church, they check their brain at the door. Now you have the record.